to be with you and Amber and your great church. You know, I just walked in here tonight. This is my first time seeing you, church. I've seen pictures, but I just uh, looked around and said, look what the Lord has done. This is beautiful. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he has helped you accomplish. Amen. See, God planted this church here in this, in this town many, many years ago. And some of you know the history. Uh, but I know I've, I've been around long enough to know that Greenwood Church of God has been part uh, of the Church of God in Mississippi and part of preaching the saving gospel to this county and this area for a long, long time. And God, God wants the power of God and revival to be here for another generation. And this church is a testimony to that. And I appreciate you wonderful folks here at Greenville. It's just an honor. And I do want to say that uh, your pastor is uh, one of my dearest friends. He's always been a good friend to me. And you need that in the ministry. And I appreciate him and his family so much. And I don't have to tell you how blessed you are to have uh, Brother and Sister Mooneyham here as your pastors at Greenwood Church of God. You know that. If you appreciate your pastors, would you give them a hand tonight? <laughs> Amen. God bless you. And I'm just thankful to be here with all of you folks. Uh, I see a lot of familiar faces here. I've got some family here and friends here and everyone's friends. And everyone's really part of the family of God. And I just thank God that you're all here. Folks from Cleveland Church of God and uh, uh, folks from uh, Belzona Church of God and and. Uh, Pastor Ken and Beverly from Charleston, and, and Ken's going to be with us next Sunday night for a men's service, and we're looking forward to that at my church. My church is uh, the Outpouring Church in Olive Branch, Mississippi, about two hours from here, but uh, not that far, but it's uh, still a pretty good hop and the skip and the jump to get here. But, uh, you know, I, I, I am very familiar with the Delta. I married a Delta lady by the name of Tiffany Free, now she's Tiffany Evans, and she's back there with her mama. We have our brand new little baby boy, Joshua, with us, and I may share a little bit about his story tonight in my message, but he's a gift from God. But we're just so glad to be here. Good friends, uh, William and Sherry Brown are also with us. Um, Y'all are just a blessing. Used to pastor them many years ago when I pastored in Greenville. Good to have them and everybody here tonight. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. I'm really excited about this opportunity. I feel uh, the power of God. I feel the unction of the Spirit. Uh, I feel like this is a moment of destiny. I just feel like God's going to move tonight in a special way. You know, not because I'm here, but because the Lord is here. And I just want to be obedient to the Lord and do His will. I just feel like the Lord's going to move tonight. Amen. Do you feel what I feel? This worship was great. God is already moving, and he's just getting started. Amen? Praise God. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. I'm going to read verses 14 through 19. And if you're accustomed to standing for the reading of God's word, I encourage you to do so at this time. Isaiah 43, 14 through 19, and it's going to be on the screen tonight. Isaiah says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians 
in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, he says. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Tonight I want to preach on the subject, a way in the wilderness. Amen. May the Lord bless you as you're seated tonight. Now I'm a preacher who likes to give you his, some historical background on a text. I think it paves the way and gives a foundation for the message but the backdrop, the historical backdrop of our text tonight is the Babylonian exile. This is when Judah was taken captive and driven over 900 miles through the hot sands of the desert wilderness to a place called Babylon. But you see, these series of verses are not a lament. It's not a song of lament about how bad it has been and how bad the situation is, but it is a song of deliverance. There's a difference between a song of lament and a song of deliverance. A song of lament only talks about the problems, but a song of deliverance talks about the solutions. How many of you want to sing a song of deliverance, a song about the solutions? Because from verses 14 through 21, it tells us how the captor, will become the fugitive. It tells us really how God would raise up someone to overthrow the Babylonian Empire. And historically, that was King Cyrus of Persia who would come along and, and overthrow Babylon and who would further facilitate the Jews to return to rebuild Jerusalem. He said here in our text, verse 14, For your sake I will send to Babylon to bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. In other words, Babylon was going to be humbled. Humbled so much so to the point that they would flee in the very warships that they once took pride in. This was an unprecedented story of deliverance that God was writing here in this chapter. Now, if we're going to put this into perspective to understand what this kind of deliverance looks like, we're all familiar right now with what's going on in the Ukraine. We're hearing about it. The news is reporting on it 24-7. But imagine that after the Russians completely scorch the land and take over the nation of Ukraine, that supernaturally somehow the tables would turn and many, many years later this would occur and some other nation would come along and drive the Russians out of the land and then allow the Ukraine government to come back and take all the political prisoners and all of their children that were born in captivity and allow them to go back into power and build their nation again. Now, this doesn't really happen. This, this doesn't happen unless the Lord can do something. The Lord is the only one that can do something like this. This historically doesn't happen to any other nation. 
This is an unprecedented thing that happened to Israel. And the amazing thing is it didn't just happen to Israel once. If you understand the history of the nation Israel, uh, of Israel, it happened several times. It, it happened more than once where they were completely exiled. They were on the run. They were scattered, the dysphoria scattered all over the world. But supernaturally, God regathered them and placed them back in their homeland and gave them strength. Can you just look at what God has done in Israel right now? What a mighty nation they are right now. They're the leader in technology. They are feared. They are nothing but a dot on the map if you look at the landmass size. But it's what God does that matters. It's not what you can see with your eyes. Man sees with, with eyes, but God sees beyond the physical appearance with spiritual eyes, and he sees the heart. So God did this. And I'm telling you this tonight because I'm telling you the promises of God, the covenant of God is real for all the people of God. You and I have been engrafted into the vine through the spirit of adoption. We cry, Abba, Father, and God has a plan for you in this turbulent age we're living in, and God has not abandoned you. And if God has made a way before, God will make a way today. He knows what we're going through in this nation right now. He knows what's going on around the world right now. And God's not asleep at the wheel. He hasn't vacated the throne. God is going to move in an unprecedented way in this generation. I believe, Brother Michael, I'm going to see it with my eyes. I'm going to see revival again. God is not finished. God will make a way in the wilderness. Yes, Lord. God makes a way in the wilderness. But our text begins by telling us how God made a way through the sea. It begins to chronicle the deliverance that Israel had seen before in previous times. God is talking about their redemptive history. If you save tonight, then you've got a redemptive history. You've got something to draw from. You can see where God has brought you from. He said in that 18th or 16th verse, verse rather, that he, the Lord, made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now, what is he referring to? This is a reference to when Pharaoh had Israel pinned against the Red Sea. There was no path of safety for them to follow. I, I don't know exactly where they were, but there have been some biblical uh, archaeologists uh, people that do biblical archaeology that have felt, have, think they have found the place of crossing of the Red Sea. And, and it is a place where you're basically pinned in by canyon walls all around you and the sea before you. Wherever they were, they were definitely pinned in. They, they couldn't flee to the left. They couldn't flee to the right. They couldn't go back because Pharaoh and his army were there. They were facing the sea. They couldn't, they couldn't take their children and their belongings and their livestock and swim across the sea. They would drown. So they were pinned. They were trapped. But the Bible says in Exodus 14 and 21 that Moses stretched out his hand. And listen to this. We, we sing about... The wind of God, the Spirit of God, 
blowing and moving afresh and anew again in this generation. It said the Lord sent a strong east wind and caused the sea to go back. A strong east wind. You know the word in Hebrew for the Spirit of God is the word ruach. In the Hebrew, it means the breath of God. The breath of God. You know, Genesis talks about the breath of God, the Spirit of God moving up on the face of the waters. The breath of God was blowing on the waters and parting the waters. The Red Sea was parted into two with a wall of water on one side and a wall on the side of water on the other. And the breath of God blew and dried up the seabed so much that they weren't walking knee deep in mud. They were walking on dry ground as they traverse through the sea. He made a way through the sea, but the way of deliverance for Israel became the grave for Pharaoh and his army. The Bible said they were snuffed out like a wick because as soon as the last Israelite crossed safely over, the wind of God stopped blowing and the water, the mile high walls of water came tumbling down upon Pharaoh and God brought a dramatic deliverance. Yes, this is their redemptive history. But I want to just talk a moment about that east wind that blew. Can you imagine the sound of that wind? It must have been mighty. Here they are. They're watching Pharaoh. God's holding Pharaoh back, but they're still scared. They know if God lets him go, they're dead. So they're standing here and they see Pharaoh's horses rearing up and then brandishing their swords. God's holding them back. And some of them, some of them might have been turned toward the sea, but I think the majority of them were watching Pharaoh. But back here, Moses is saying, God, you brought me here. You got me to get these people out of Egypt. Are you going to let us die like this, God? Well, come on, Moses. You got to do something. Faith without works is dead. So what I want you to do is lift your hands up against that sea. I want you to proclaim that sea's going to part. And when he did that, I can just imagine that sound that began to stir. The sound of wind hitting the water. A sound like a hurricane, even greater like a, they say like a freight train anybody ever been through a tornado i've been through a tornado we're talking about pilgrim rest church of god a little bit earlier with some folks i was in that original little parsonage at pilgrim rest church of god my dad pastored that church and it was a wood frame house and my mom and my dad and my brother uh, were all there but my dad went away it was just my mom and my brother and me dad was gone somewhere visiting or something a tornado came through and pushed the house off the blocks Thank God we were safe, but it sounded like a freight train. I was just a little kid, but I can still remember it. So they heard the sound, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And so suddenly their fear started turning to faith as they saw God drying up the waters. What I'm preaching this for today is because we're a generation that needs a fresh move of God. We need a fresh wind to blow. But are we going to concentrate on the problem? Are we going to look at the forces of Pharaoh? Or are we going to tune our ears into the sound of the Spirit? What is the Spirit saying? If you're born of the Spirit, you ought to be able to 
tune in to what the Spirit is saying. If you got the ear of the Spirit, you'll hear the wind blowing again. If you got the ear of the Spirit, you'll hear the dry bones rattling again. I hear a sound. Come on, somebody. I hear a sound of a mighty rushing wind. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. I hear the sound of revival again. Oh, yes. God's moving in a fresh way, in a new way. Do you hear the sound of deliverance? Praise God. God always raises up a standard against the enemy. When Satan comes in like a flood, the enemy moves in like a flood. The Lord lifts up a standard against the enemy. We're in a time, a place in history where we may have to draw from the wells of salvation and understand. Don't panic, but understand that God has been with us before. He's taken care of us before and he'll take care of us now. We may have to really dig deep to find that faith. But God's brought his people through before. And he'll bring his people through again. God made a way past this. God made a way through the sea. You know, as you look back over your life, I don't want you to use the past as a measuring line for the future. That's not what this is about. But as you look at the past, it is a reminder of what God has done. God has always provided what you needed when you needed it. Does anybody know that tonight? Do you know that tonight? God's always provided what you need when you need it. He's an on-time God. Yes, He is. You know, in this time we're living in right now, days like this, where there's wars and rumors of wars, inflation. Some states have got $8 gas prices. You got tyrannical governments in the world. You got moral decay. You got, you got supply and demand issues. You got a general erosion of human freedom. All kinds of problems are surmounting all around us. We're getting pinned in by the enemy, it feels like. But what we need to realize is that God's brought deliverance before and He'll do it again. He'll do it again. You know, I'm not in denial of where we are on the prophetic time clock. I can't tell you exactly when we are. I don't have a patent on that. Nobody does. Jesus said no man knows the day or the hour. But I can tell that it's getting late. I know it's getting late. I understand that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, the Bible said, deceiving and being deceived. And I also understand my great hope is the rapture. I believe the rapture is, is very well the, the, the next great uh, event on the prophetic calendar. I, I believe that. I, I haven't lost my desire to be raptured out of here. We used to preach it. We used to teach it. We used to sing about it. But do we still believe that Jesus is going to rapture this church? I know the rapture, the great tribulation, and the second coming of Christ is all imminent. And that's good news for a believer. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But I'm preaching this to you tonight because we may have to stay in this pressure cooker environment a little bit longer. I don't know how long, but, but we're not called to get in our rapture bunkers, right? You know, we're, we're here we're, we're to be ready in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. But to be ready means you're active. It means you're occupied. You're doing the Father's business until He comes back. 
But if we have to stay in this pressure environment a little longer, waiting on our ultimate redemption through the return of Jesus Christ, we should not be in despair. I'm preaching to you tonight because I don't want you to lose hope. Because God has always sent a revival to counter the darkness. Don't lose hope not only in the soon return of Jesus. Don't lose hope in revival. Can I say that again? You see, the first point is easier to preach than the second point. They both require responsibility, though. If you're going to be ready for the rapture, you've got some responsibility. And you know what your responsibility is? Your responsibility is to cultivate revival. The harvest cannot be reached unless the Lord of the harvest moves and makes the fields ready and makes the people of God ready to harvest what is there, what is ripe in the field. I do not want to lose hope in revival. I don't want to lose hope in the rapture, but I don't want to lose hope in revival. You know, we, we're going to talk about history just for a moment, a little bit more, because I think this is going to serve a point. Looking you know, back and seeing what God has done to counter the darkness in strategic times in the past. You go back to 1859, you had a man named Charles Darwin. Anybody ever heard of Charles Darwin? He released a work called On the Origin of Species. And this manuscript laid the foundation for the teaching of evolution. And it caught on like wildfire and began to be taught and believed and people began to abandon their faith. But by 1896, is that date familiar to anybody? How many good old Church of God people we got in here? In 1896, yes. In 1896, the first mass outpouring of the Holy Ghost since the time of the early church fell at a prayer meeting. Prayer still works, people. At a prayer meeting on the Tennessee and North Carolina border at what has become known as the Shearer Schoolhouse Revival. Anybody ever heard of the Shearer Schoolhouse Revival? That's the roots of our faith. This church wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for that revival. You wouldn't be saved, possibly, if it wasn't for that revival. I know I wouldn't be. <laughs> I got fed, I got fed farm, you can see I got fed good, I got fed on, on, on farm raised eggs and, 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 and crops out of the field from church members, good old church of God church members, my dad was a pastor, and it, it not only helped me get saved and get baptized in the Holy Ghost, it fed me real good too, I thank God, somebody prayed and lives were changed and, and positively affected for generation after generation. Well, you had evolution come along, revival began to encounter, counter it. Then around 1906, anybody familiar with what happened in 1906? The latter day rain started falling on a street corner in Los Angeles, California. Hey, hey, hey. A revival that I might add consisted of people who were from multiple social, economic, and ethnic backgrounds. The Holy Ghost fell on those people at the Azusa Street Revival. The Holy Ghost got people together.
He was fixing problems way back then that our government only makes worse today. And people only make worse today because you've got paganistic, sinful people trying to fix spiritual issues. You want to fix the spiritual issues. If you want to fix the issues of society, you've got to go at it in a spiritual way because that's the root of it. It's a spiritual issue. The Holy Ghost brought unity. The Holy Ghost brought revival. Then you had Marxist humanism. I'm just taking you down historical lane for a few minutes. Y'all bear with me. Marxist humanism began reaching a new degree of prominence in the 1950s and on into the 1960s. In the 1960s, we were experiencing a social revolution. But God sent something that was called the Jesus Movement. Anybody ever heard of the Jesus Movement? <laughs> Janet, my mother-in-law... And Janelle and Mike and some more of you, y'all products of the Jesus movement. You know, that's, that's when they had some long hair. They, they didn't know, you know, they, they weren't used to the standards, so they didn't go off and cut their hair immediately when they got saved. And that caused us some problems, you know. I'm like, oh, well, they're long-haired hippies in church. But they're swaying and praising God, playing acoustic guitar, singing folk songs about Jesus. And there was a lot of criticism of that then. But you know what? I got a whole back row of some of them back there right now. Amen in me. Woo! Glory to God. And they on fire for God. And a lot of people are on fire from God today. It helped raise people like me because of the revivals that happened in the past. And I thank God for it. I thank God. And I could go on and on. I could tell you about revivals that happened in my lifetime. But on and on and on, God has always countered the darkness with great moves of God. Our forefathers and our mothers made it through terrible times before. Times such as World War I, the Great Depression, through the tyranny of Hitler and Japan in World War II. God's kept his hand on us when our soldiers were deployed to Korea and Vietnam. And more recently, God's brought us through 9-11, Iraq and Afghanistan. And he's still in control of the prophetic events that are playing out today right before our eyes. Oh, God is in control. Why? Because he's got the whole world in his hands. And if he's got the whole world in his hands, that means he's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. You know what I'm talking about? That means not only is he concerned about the affairs of the world, he's concerned about you and what you're going through tonight. Yes, amen. I want you to look back for a moment. To all that God's brought you through. Think about some moment in your life when God brought you dramatic deliverance in a time of trouble. Those times when illness threatened your life, put your future in jeopardy. A financial crisis threatened to destroy your life and completely decimate your future. Those times of grief or anxiety or depression. Those times where you were paralyzed emotionally and you didn't know what to do. But God brought you through anyhow. Somehow, some way, God brought you through. I'm reminded of that Kurt Carr gospel song where it says, you know, he, he kept me 
so I wouldn't let go. I almost let go, but God wouldn't let me go. I'm thankful for the times God didn't let me go. I'm thankful for the times that He picked me up and He turned me around and He set my feet on solid ground. I'm thankful today. God has always been there for you. God has always been there for you. And He always will. Hey, 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 hey. Somebody give God praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Glory, glory, glory. Hey, what have I got to be afraid of today? What do you got to be afraid of today? Knowing what God has already brought you through. David said in Psalms 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's calling out his enemies. He said, you think you're big and tough? Come on and show up. I'll show you what my God can do. When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Are you confident tonight that the Lord is with you? And if God be for you, somebody said. Who can be against you? Thank you, Jesus. He made a way in the sea. He made a way in the sea. But listen, God's not done making a way. He said, I made a way in the sea, a path through the mighty waters, but I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm in the process. Anybody in the process tonight? He's making a way. He's making a way. Isaiah makes a surprising statement. Really, God makes this statement. Isaiah just pins the word of the Lord. But he says something that kind of puzzles you at first. He said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now God has just spoken of his dramatic deliverance at the point of the Exodus. But now he's saying in surprising fashion, don't limit your thinking to that. Forget the past. Well... Does he literally mean to forget all he's done? I don't think so. That wouldn't line up with the rest of Scripture. Forget not all thy benefits, the Bible says. So he's not saying that your redemptive history is not important. You do draw strength from that. But a lot of people in the process of trying to draw strength from the past they decide they want to live in the past and you can't live in the past you got a today to live out and as god wills and designs for your life you've got a future to live out god said i want to do a new thing Something greater than before. Oh, you've seen some great miracles. But listen, what I'm about to get ready to do is greater than anything you've seen before. You know, I understand. It's just human nature. We all fall 
prey to this mentality sometimes. I've been there. I've done that. I got the t-shirt. And sometimes I feel like I'm going back for a second print on the t-shirt and getting resized for it all over again. And I have to remind myself, you know, God, you got something new for me, something fresh for me. And what I mean is, is to say that there's this natural pull to think sometimes that the past is the best times we'll ever have. You know, if I only had that opportunity again, if I could only, you know, have that door come open for me again, oh, it'll never happen again, once in a lifetime, and now it's past. If I was just young again, as I was then, that one really, really works on you, <laughs> the older you get. You know, if I only had those people in my life now that were my friends at one time, if I only, you know, if I only would have made that move, or maybe I shouldn't have made that move I made. It changed everything. And I, I, I regret everything that's happened that, 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 uh, that led me down this path and has got me in this trap today. And I, you know, people live in regret, regret after regret. And they look back to just events in their life, and they think that event makes everything rosy in the past. You know, the funny thing I've learned, Brother Michael, you know, as I pastored several places, and I got some former members here today, and, you know, Greenville Family Worship Center was one church, but I pastored some other churches before I got to where I'm at today. And every place I can look back, I can look back at seasons and relationships that make me smile. And make me happy. And it's, and, it's, and it's as if I could just, if I could just have that again. I, you know, I thank God I still got some friends sitting back there that I used to pastor. They're part of that blessing. They're really not the past, they're the present, amen. But there are some people that, you know, have gone on to be with the Lord or people that somehow I've fallen out of touch with. But the thing about it is, it don't matter if it's pastoring, it don't matter if it's a job, it don't matter if it was your educational opportunities and, and desires, it doesn't matter if it was something to do with your career or whatever it may be, whatever it was. You can look back at certain times of your life and pick out an event and say, boy, that was wonderful. And it was. And you think the now has too many problems to deal with. You forget that the past had problems too. The past had its challenges too. You see, they can look back to the way in the sea and forget about 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Well, if we could just have another Red Sea miracle around here, praise God. Wonderful. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. But are you ready to pass the test that they didn't pass once they crossed over the Red Sea? You see, there is a wilderness. After every event of greatness in your life, you're going to have to face a test. And the, and, and the, the, the water, the sea was an event, but the wilderness was a process. 
Israel had gotten in the middle of the process in the wilderness after the Red Sea. And then you had, you had an entire generation that ended up dying in the wilderness. And they couldn't even get beyond where they were. They even thought Egypt was good. I'm telling you, they started looking back so much. And now you've got a new generation here, a generation that had been in Babylon at the final, the final click of the, uh, of the hand of the clock. They were in Babylon for 70 years. And Babylon was a different wilderness, but it was a similar scenario. And God was telling them, I don't want you to go down the path that previous generations did. I, I don't want you to get to where you are, or where I want to bring you, uh, this place right now. I want to bring you somewhere you've never been before, but I don't want you to end up making the same mistakes that they made in the past. You see, what if God wants to do something new today that's different than what he did before in your life? You're in a different place today, a different time now than you were five years ago. Can you deny that? Ten years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And you can let the devil tell you that all the good times have passed you. Or you can hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord says, I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing. This church is a new thing. This building is a new thing. What God is doing right now is a new thing. What's happening in the world right now, it may be, it may be crazy and chaotic, but in the middle of it, God is saying, I want to do a new thing. I want to pour out my spirit upon you in a new way. I want to settle you into the trek of destiny he has for you. Some of you wondering, and this may, this may sound like something that's really not for some of you. I hope it's for all of you. But I know that for some of you tonight, uh, this is speaking to you because you feel like you've been wandering in the wilderness and you can't see beyond where you are. But I'm telling you, God's about to get ready to put you on your trek of destiny. He's about to bring purpose and bring meaning and bring form and bring, bring shape to what his, his plan is for you. What God wants to do with you is bring you deeper than you've been before. Bring you higher than you've been before. Bring you to places you've never been before. To, to bring you His Spirit, His anointing in a way He's never brought you before. To bring a revival that sounds like a new sound. Oh, praise God. It's a wind blowing. It's the same wind, but it's a new tune. God wants to do something fresh in this generation. We don't want to see our kids just fade away in, 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 in the carnality, into the world, into secularism. We want to see them come out and arise in this new generation be filled with the Holy Ghost we don't want our we don't want our kids and grandkids to go to hell we want to pray them into these old fashioned altars until God moves on afresh and anew God's not done yet even if we think we're done God is saying hang on folks don't keep looking back and thinking that your days are before you that aren't good anymore I want to do a new thing I want to bring you the best days they're going to be before you. They're going to be before you. I just feel this prophetically. God says the best days are before you. What God wants to do is before you. It's not behind you. It's yet before you. Oh, I'm going to hang my harp on the willow tree. I'm going to cry because this ain't Solomon's tipple. But the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house, says the Lord. I don't think we're going to go out of here defeated when the rapture comes. I believe we're going to go out of here shouting in revival.
I don't want it any other way. I don't want it any other way. I want to see God move. God move. God move. When you start praying, God move. Like they sing tonight. Don't die in the wilderness. Don't die in the wilderness. God has you alive at this strategic moment in history. My daddy and mama, they're not here anymore. They went to heaven. Tiffany's daddy is in heaven. And I miss him. And I know I'll never be the preacher my daddy was. You know, I'll always try be striving to be the man of God he was. So it's not a it's not to say the previous generation is not something as a shining example to us. They they were, they were, and they are. Oh, I could never replace that those memories of, of saints of God laying hands on me in the altar until I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Until I was delivered. I can, I can never forget that. I'm just talking to y'all out of my heart, okay? I'm off the notes right now. But I, I, I can never replace those prayer meetings. I remember Brother Michael with Kurt Pitts and I and a few other guys at the Church of God in Laurel when my dad pastored there. And if any of you heard Kurt preach, you've heard one of the greatest preachers you'll ever hear. But I can remember when we decided we were going to get serious with God. That was a big deal. I mean, because we weren't very serious with God. And I was in my early 20s. And I wasn't thinking about God too much. But God started getting a hold of us. And we said, what we're going to do is we're going to go find us a Sunday school room and just start praying. And we prayed. And when you got big old boys that weigh over 250 pounds that get to shouting in a little Sunday school room, it's not good. The flannel board gets knocked off and the garbage cans get overturned. And if we're not careful, we may knock a door off the hinges. I'll never forget that. As crazy as it sounds, it was life-changing for me. I was, I was bucking the Lord and fighting the Lord. And last thing I want to do is preach. I want to be a rock and roll guitar player. I did. I wanted to play guitar and just do my own thing. But God got a hold of me. He got a hold of me. He said, son, you're going to do my will. And I'm thank God he did. I shouted one time, Brother Michael, we had a, we had a ceiling fan going. And I shouted. And, and I, th- th- this <laughs> it sounds like something really bad is about to happen. And it would have happened had it not been for God. But I, I literally jumped in the air and my hands went through a ceiling fan wide open. And my friends were there to watch it and see it. And they said, I don't know how it happened. But those fan blades never touched your hands when you shouted. Those were my Red Sea moments. But I got a boy of my own back here on the back now. I, I, I'm going to have to close this thing pretty soon. I don't want to have time to tell you my story on him. Where's the brother? He said, how long are you going to preach tonight? I said, well, I said, he said, you got a bottle of water. <laughs> he said, it must be you're going to preach a while. I said, yeah, right here marks 30 minutes. This is an hour. It's an hour and a half. And I hadn't even drank the first drop of it. Now, I'm picking with y'all. But I got a boy back there. And if the Lord tarries and he becomes of an age of accountability, your kids, your grandkids, some that are already there, some that are already in their 20s and beyond, are they going to experience what we experienced? 
Are they going to experience it? We got to stir it up around here. We need to stir this thing up. We need to take these old glowing embers and we need to stir them up till a fire burns again. You see, he led us. He led us through the path of the sea. But we are going to see God in this generation, in the 21st century, until Jesus comes back. We're going to see God make a way in the wilderness. And he's going to bring streams into wasteland. I believe it. Dreams that you have forgotten about or that you don't believe will ever come to pass. Prayer requests that you've stopped praying. Victories that you haven't tasted yet. Callings that you know that are on your life but you haven't walked them out yet. Why? Because you're wandering in the wilderness. But God says you're about to get through this wilderness. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Let me just tell you something real quick. I, I talked this over with Tiffany on the way here. And, and I just want to share a little bit of the testimony with you. I want to tell you what God just done in my life just recently. You know, almost 22 years ago, it'll be 22 years ago this coming May, that Tiffany and I were married at Cleveland Church of God. And not long after we first got married, we, we began to talk about having a family. And the Lord laid it on my heart just as real as anything you can imagine. He said, you're going to have a son one day, and I want you to give him the name Joshua. I got nobody in my family named that. But he said, name him Joshua because it means Yahweh's salvation. The Lord taught us a new season would come on our life in ministry after the birth of this child. Years went by, however, and there was still no child. We went to the doctors for help. Still no children. Then we went to the lawyers to adopt a child. We had two failed adoptions, one several years ago, while my dad was laying in his in the ICU room about to die, we were in the middle of adopting a son. My dad passed away. We got back home to finish the adoption. The mother changed her mind. More recently, we were in the process of adopting a girl. And the baby was to be born November 2021. And the mother changed her mind. So I looked back and I said, you know, God, I'm just going to give you this dream. I'm going to give you the, the name. I gave that name back to God even before the, the girl, possibility of a girl ever come along. So we were in a wilderness. We were in a wilderness. We were wandering in a, in a place where this promise just didn't seem like it, seem like it was ever going to come to pass. Stuck in a circling pattern. So I gave the name and the dream of the birth of a son back to God. Let me just tell you what happened. It was early December. And some of the fall leaves were still on my driveway. So I got the backpack on, the blower out, and cranked it up. And I was, I was blowing leaves. And how many of you know 
Men of God, y'all know that's a pretty good time to talk to the Lord, you know. I wasn't even thinking about the adoption, really. But I was blowing leaves. But I heard in my spirit, just as loud as if I heard somebody say it, I heard the words, reclaim the name. And I knew it was God. And I knew God didn't even have to tell me. I just knew when he said reclaim the name, he meant reclaim the name Joshua. So I came in and I said, Tiffany, hey, the Lord just spoke to me. And he said to reclaim the name. And I believe it was about the boy named Joshua. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm just telling you what God said. It's up to God to, for, for God to do it. I just, I'm just telling you what God said. Well, about three weeks later, on a Sunday, the day after Christmas, we, we got a call from someone that God connected us with 14 years ago when I worked at the South Cleveland Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee. A lady who was an Aryan, totally out of the blue, out of the network, something we totally didn't expect. I just came in from preaching. Janet was there. This phone call came in. And the lady said, she said, I just got a call from a baby doctor at Tenova Hospital, and she said, do you know of any families that have completed a home study? I've got a baby boy that was just born on Christmas night that needs a home. And suddenly it came into her mind, God dropped in her spirit, Larry and Tiffany Evans, and she called us. Well, we didn't have to pray about that one. We got our stuff together, and by four the next morning, we were on the road to Cleveland, Tennessee. We walked in that hospital room. That birth mom handed us that baby. And she said, you will make good parents. And I'm just telling you, I hope y'all don't mind. I'm getting real with you today. It's all right, Pastor. God connected us with a, a Christian lawyer in Chattanooga who specialized in adoptions. He wore a little pen of like little baby feet on his, on his jacket. And a good Christian man, he, told, he found out we were pastors. He said, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer too. He said, he said I'm going to tell you what though. He said, I, won't, I don't think I'm going to be able to get you before you know, a judge this week. This is the week between Christmas and New Year. Ain't nobody going to probably see you. But he said, if I can manage to get a judge to, to hear your case on the guardianship of the child. He said, he's, this is his exact words. He said, you will know it is the provision of God in your life. We got dismissed from the hospital on Tuesday, and the mother signed over temporary custody, and we had the baby with us. We went to a hotel. The next day, the lawyer called and said, guess what? I got a court date for you on Wednesday. By the next day, we were in court. The birth mom showed up. God bless her. And God help her. But she, she still felt like it was the right thing to do. She signed over this child to us. Then we had to deal with what they call the interstate travel law, where you, once you get custody of a baby, you can't take off and drive across state lines with the child. And the lawyer said, well, just get ready to stay in a hotel room for at least two weeks. 
It's got to pass through the bureaucracy of two different states, and they never, they never get in a hurry about these things. And would you believe that 24 hours later, on a holiday week, we got a call and said, you're released. I don't know how it happened, but it went through the bureaucracy of two states, and you can take your little baby boy home right now. <laughs> Bring him up here, Tiffany. I, I'm bragging on my child. Bring him up here. Praise God. You know, I, I'm doing this tonight for a reason. Because, you know, I, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I think that's obvious. I'm not young as I was before. And some folks would look at her and I and say, you know what? You know, it would have been wonderful if you'd have had that baby, you know, five years after you got married. You know, it looks a little late for you. But he's right on time for me. He's right on time for me. It took, it took them 40 years to get out of the wilderness after crossing the Red Sea. It took them 70 years to get out of Babylon. And I'm here to tell you right now, it don't matter how long you've been waiting. It don't matter how long you've been stirring around and shuffling around through those hot desert sands. He said he'd make a way in the wilderness. And if he said he'd make a way, he'll make a way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Hey, He's our Joshua generation, baby. He's our Joshua generation. This is a crossing generation. And you know what? I'm alive today. I'm alive by the grace of God. And I'm here in the 21st century. And I'm going to be part of this generation that gets out of this wilderness. We're going back. We're going back to the things God's called us to go back to. We're going back to revival. We're going back to hope. We're going back to people getting saved and getting baptized in the Holy Ghost again. We're going back to seeing dreams fulfilled and God calling people to preach. We're going to see your children get saved. We're going to see God's mighty hand. Whatever it is you need God to do, whatever dream you have, God is going to do it. Do you believe it? Stand on your feet tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want you to give God your best praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Somebody, you need a breakthrough tonight. I don't feel like I need to delay and wait. I think you need to move right now. You need a breakthrough. You need God to make a way in the wilderness. Come on up to this front right now with hands lifted and saying, God, I know you've got my destiny in your hands and release my destiny, God. I know you got good plans for me. Lord, plans to prosper me, to give me a hope in the future. I know you're not going to let me die in this wilderness. Lord God, you're going to fulfill your good word towards me. Oh, hallelujah. How many of you got kids that aren't saved? How many of you need a breakthrough in your life? How many of you need to get out of this season you're in and get to the next season? If you do, come on up right now. In